The Mishnah continues its discussion of different items which are found in various locations and what their status is assumed to be based on where and when they are found. An animal which is found in between Yerushalayim and a nearby city called Migdal Eder. And we're talking about an animal which is fit to be brought as a korban. And that same distance in every direction from Yerushalayim. Since that animal is very near to Yerushalayim, we assume that it came from there. And since the majority of animals in Yerushalayim are considered to be korbanos, this animal is also considered to be a korban. And therefore, Zacharim, if it's a male korban, the majority of male korbanos are oilos. Korbanos oila, and therefore, this is assumed to be a korban oila, and whoever finds it must bring it as a korban oila. Nekevos, if it is a female animal, Zacharim Shalomim, the person who finds it need to, needs to bring it as a korban Shalomim. Since the majority of the korbanos in Yerushalayim, which are female, are korbanos Shalomim. Even though korbanos chatos could be either female or male, as well as some other korbanos, it was much more common to bring carbonos oila, which are always male, and carbonos shlomim are also usually female. Not all of them, but most carbonos shlomim are brought as female animals. And since far more carbonos shlomim are brought than carbonos chatas, this animal is assumed to be a carbon shlomim. Now we explain the Mishnah according to the simple reading, and this is indeed how most of the commentaries on the Mishnahis over here explain the Mishnah. However, the Gemara in Kedushin does have a very different interpretation of this Mishnah, and the conclusion there is basically that you can never assume that a carbon, that an animal is a particular carbon, and you would need to wait for it to develop a blemish and sell it and buy a different carbon, but you wouldn't be able to bring this animal itself as a carbon. But that is not the simple interpretation of the Mishnah, and indeed most of the commentaries over here explain it according to the simple reading. Rabbi Yehuda says, An animal which is fit to be brought as a carbon Pesach, Pesachim, is considered to be a carbon Pesach. If somebody finds that near to Yerushalayim or inside of Yerushalayim, he finds this lost animal, he needs to assume that it is a carbon Pesach, as long as it's within 30 days before the Yom Tov of Pesach. And if he does find this lost animal, he is allowed to take it and actually bring it as a carbon Pesach himself. If later on he finds out that it was actually owned by somebody, and he finds out who that person is, so he'll have to give him back the money for it. But he is allowed to bring that as a carbon Pesach, since 30 days before every Yom Tov, one is supposed to start preparing for that Yom Tov, learning the laws, and so it's assumed that within 30 days people begin to designate their carbon as Pesach, and if you find a lost animal which could be brought as a carbon Pesach near to Yerushalayim, so you can assume that it's somebody who is travelling up to Yerushalayim and lost his animal on the way. Mishnah Shaina originally which literally means they would take collateral from the people who find the animal, until or unless he brings its nesachim, the wine, flour, and oil which need to be brought with the animal. And what the Mishnah is saying is that if somebody found this animal, so he had to bring it as a, car- as a carbon, if let's say it's a regular male animal, so he has to bring it to the base of Megdash and bring it as a carbon oiler. Now when one brings a carbon, he has to bring with it, depending on what carbon it is, but he generally has to bring with it wine or flour mixed with oil. So these people found this animal, they didn't designate it themselves, but since they found it, they're now obligated to bring it as a carbon, and they're going to have to pay for the flour and the oil and the wine. And so what happened was that people would start leaving it there in the Beis HaMikdash, they would bring the carbon to the Beis HaMikdash, and run away without having brought the the sachim, the wine and the flour and the oil, which need to be brought with the carbon. And so Eskinu Basin, the Basin instituted that the sachim of such an animal which is found by somebody, but he himself did not designate it, the nesachim of such an animal would come from the public money, and this refers really to the shkolim money. We're actually going back to the main subject of the Masechta, 
the gift of the shkolim. So this is another another use of the shkolim money that it was used to provide for the nesachim of such an animal. Even though in general the, this money was only used for public needs, the basin instituted that it would be used for this case as well. So this korban would have nesachim bought with it. Mishavov, this Mishnah continues to list a couple of more decrees which the Rabbanon made and said that the shkolim money would be used for certain things, even though according to the strict letter of the law they are not public needs. Nevertheless, for a variety of reasons, the Rabbanon instituted that the shkolim money would be spent on these things. Omar Bishimun and Bishimun said, Shivot Dvarim Hiskinu based in. The basin instituted seven things which are similar to this. Vizayachamehen and the one we mentioned in the previous Mishnah is one of the seven. And now the Mishnah goes on to list the other six of these decrees. A non-Jew who sends a korban oilah from abroad, from another country, he sends it with a messenger to be bought as a korban in the Mesa Mikdash. We learned in the first part of the Masechta that a non-Jew is allowed to bring voluntary korbanos. So if he sent this voluntary korban, the shilachim nesachim, and he sent with it money to provide for the nesachim, the wine or the flour and the oil which need to be bought with the korban, he sent with the korban the money to provide for the nesachim. So in that case, Kraven Mishaloi, of course the nesachim are offered up using nesachim which are bought with that money. But if he doesn't send money to buy Nisachim with that animal, so we don't say that, alright, we're not going to bring the korban, that might lead to a certain animosity or hatred from the non-Jews, rather craving Michel Tzibur, the Nisachim for this animal are bought using the money of the Shkolem, which came from the public, that is the second decree out of the seven. Third decree, one who converted to become Jewish and then died after having designated certain animals to be brought as korbanos. Now the halacha is that when somebody converts to become Jewish, when somebody converts, it's as if he is born again and he's not related to any of his non-Jewish relatives. So unless he gets married and then has children after that, if he dies having converted and not having had any children, then he has no relatives halachically. Which means that when he dies, all of his property is not inherited by anybody, rather it becomes ownerless. So if he has no nesachim, if he has nesachim already which he separated, or at least he has money which then became ownerless but he had money, then Kraven Mishaloi, the nesachim are brought using that money, or using the nesachim which he separated. Vim lav. But if he didn't separate any nesachim while he was still alive, and the truth is, according to many, even if he does have money, if he didn't separate that money aside in order to buy nesachim, then since when he dies, all of his property becomes ownerless, technically anybody has the right to just take that property and it will become his. So even in that case, Kraven Michel Tzibur, the Nesachim of the Korban, which he designated, would be bought from the public, from the Shkolim which had been designated and contributed to the Beis HaMikdosh. Okay, number four. There is an obligation on the Kohen Godol every single day to bring a Korban known as the Minchas Chavitin. This was a flour offering mixed with oil, and he would make this in the morning, but then he would only offer on the Mizbeach half of it in the morning, and then the second half he would wait and offer that up in the afternoon. The following decree concerns a Kohen who died after having bought the first half, after having bought it in the morning, but not having yet bought the second half. Now it's an obligation that the Minchas Chavitin be bought every single day, so the second half needs to be bought. However, the halacha is that since it won't be bought by the same person, it has to be made again, the full amount, and then it has to be halved, and half of it would be bought in the afternoon. So you'd end up with the second half of the previous minchas chavitin, and also half of the new minchas chavitin, not having been offered, and then they would be burnt once they become invalidated after having been left. Now it is learnt from Sukkot in the Torah that in such situation, 
the afternoon part of the Minchas Chavitin needs to come from the community's money. So from the money which comes from the Shkalim. However, it came to the point that so many things were being used by the Shkalim money that the money started to diminish. There wasn't necessarily enough money of the community in the Beis HaMikdash. And so the Abonnet instituted that those who inherit the Kohen Gadol, for example his sons, they would need to provide for the Minchas Chavitin on that afternoon. Now, after they instituted this, they saw that it didn't always happen. Once they left the responsibility to the inheritors of the Kohen Gadol, they didn't always make sure they did it quickly enough on that day to make sure that there was a Minchas Chavitin bought in the afternoon. And so because of that, the Rabbonon took away their decree, and the law returned to be like what it was mid that the Minchas Chavitin that afternoon comes from the community's funds. So the Mishnah calls this a decree mid Rabbonon, even though, as we explained, this is really the letter of the law according to the Torah. But since the Rabbana instituted something, and then instituted to take that away, so the Mishnah says of Sinai Basin, who, it was a condition, the Basin instituted al Kohen Gadol Shemais, regarding, regarding a Kohen Gadol who dies, that his Minchas Chavitin in the afternoon would be bought from the money of the public, which came from the Shkolem, as we explained. Now Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, a totally different opinion to the first opinion. According to Rabbi Yehuda, Mid-Oiraisa, Michel Yershin, the Minchas Chavitin has to come from the inheritors of the Kohen Gadol, that is Mid-Oiraisa. He also learns this out of a Pasuk. And furthermore, Rabbi Yehuda says that Rabbonon never instituted anything. And so this is exactly what would need to be done. The inheritors would need to bring that Minchas Chavitin, and it wouldn't come from the Shkolim Mani. And ends off the Mishnah, as we explained, it was offered as a full Minchas Chavitin, meaning they wouldn't use the second half of the original Kohen Gadol's Minchas Chavitin, rather they would um, separate and make up a whole new Minchas Chavitin with the flour mixed with the oil, and then offer half of that, and the other half together with the second half of the original Kohen Gadol's Minchas Chavitin would become invalid and not be offered. Zayin, the fifth thing which the Chacham instituted is less related to what was done with the Shkolim money, but it is still related to the Beis HaMikdash and benefiting from Beis HaMikdash money, and that is Al-Hamelech Valo'itzim concerning the salt which was put on all of the Karbonis before they were offered up, Valo'itzim, and the wood which was used for the fire on the Mizbeach, even though when it comes to everything else which is designated to the Beis HaMikdash, it's forbidden to use that for a non-Beis HaMikdash use that is known as Me'ila, if you use something which is hekdish for your own personal use. So over here we have an exception that the Rabbonon instituted, that Kohanim would be able to benefit from the salt and the wood on the Mizbeach, specifically when cooking Korbonos for them to eat, even though that's for their own benefit. Nevertheless, so that they will actually eat the Korbonos, the Rabbonon instituted that they will be able to use the salt which was designated to the Mizbeach, and the wood as well on the Mizbeach, to cook the Korbonos which they would eat. Alright, number six, Valapara, concerning the Pora Aduma, which was burnt into ashes and added to water with a few different other things, and this solution was used to purify people who had become Tommy from a dead body. And even though the Pora Aduma is not actually a korban, nevertheless, as we have seen earlier on in the Masechta, the Torah refers to the Pora Aduma by calling it Chatoshi. It calls this Tachatos, which is a name for a korban, and so we learn from there that it has certain, it shares certain laws with korbanos. For example, Me'ila applies to the Korbanos as well, that it's forbidden to benefit from it at all, just like it's forbidden to benefit from Korbanos. However, it is learnt from that same Pasuk that the ashes of the Paradumah you can benefit from mid The cow itself, before it is made into a whole solution, it's forbidden to benefit from. But the Torah goes out of its way to say that Chatos He, it is considered like a Korban Chatos, but its ashes and the solution which is made from it is not considered like a Korban. And so mid there would not be any Me'ila for the ashes of the Parah 
However, the Rabbanon decreed when they saw people started using the ashes for anything, not really respecting it so much. So they decreed that there would be me'ila on the ashes of the Paraduma. However, once they decreed this, and they prohibited the benefit from the ashes, there were certain people who didn't know if they were definitely Tomei from a dead body, rather they had a doubt whether they had become Tomei from a dead body. Now in general, in such a situation, they would need to purify themselves, out of doubt. However, because the Rabbonon prohibited using the ashes for anything other than what they are meant for, so these people who were in a state of doubt, they didn't go and get themselves purified using these ashes. But they needed to because they were they had a doubt whether they were Tomei from a dead body, an extremely severe level of Tumor. And therefore, the Rabbonon took away that decree which they had made, and reverted back to saying, the Me'ila would not apply to the ashes of the Paraduma, as was the original Din Midoraisa. Okay, and finally, the seventh thing which the Rabbanon instituted, Valakin Habsulais, regarding bird offerings which became invalidated. We've seen already that if somebody needs to bring a carbon of birds, then all he needs to do is put money in the box of the Kinen, and then they would bring that carbon. After you having paid for that, they would take the money and buy, and buy the birds, and the Kohanim would take care of bringing that carbon. Now, they wouldn't know who gave the carbon. It would be valid, but they wouldn't know who they were slaughtering it for, and who they were offering it up for. But if so, what would happen if it became invalidated? If, let's say, the blood was sprinkled on the wrong part of the Mizbeach, or one of the bl- birds flew away, what would they do? This person's left now, they don't know who gave the money for these birds, but this person needs an atonement. So the, the Arabon instituted to Boys Michel Tzibur, that they would come from the Tzibur's money, the money from the Shkolem, which the public had donated. However, Abiyasi argues on this last point. Abiyasi says, Just like we found earlier on in Perik Dalad, that the people who supply wine and oil to the Beis Hamikdash and flour, if the flour goes bad, then they need to replace it, because Yad Hektash al Halyena, Hektash Beis Hamikdash always had the upper hand, so too over here. And therefore, in a case where the birds become invalid, Hamasapikas Akinin, the supplier of the birds, the one who gives the birds to the Beis Hamikdash and the Beis Hamikdash buys it from them, Mesapik Asapsulois, he needs to supply and replace the invalidated ones, again because of the rule of Yad Hektash al Halyayna, that the Beis Hamikdash always has the upper hand.